Bottle Lake Podcast. My name is James Strong, joined once again by my co-host Cody Tanner. Cody, how are you on this Sunday evening? James, it's Sunday evening. It is divisional round of the playoffs. Three games are now in the book. Me and you both just witnessed the uh, Detroit Lions knock off the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, playoff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but whatever. Um, it is what it is. That that game, I didn't care for a winner. But I'm doing all right, James. How are you? Doing okay, man. Doing okay. Doing okay. Um, yeah, so obviously, if you guys are watching or if you're new to the offseason with us, we don't have an offseason. Uh, we will continue putting out episodes and content for you guys, uh, talking about the upcoming draft process, pr- uh, prospects that we'll look at as well. And then obviously, um, there's going to be kind of a year in review, which is going to happen today. We're looking back at the Steelers schedule, uh, some of the stats that the team had, certain players and things like that. But then once we get into the offseason, offseason where you're like, hey, football's not on anymore. Super Bowl's over. All this stuff's over. Uh, then you get big into the draft process and. You know, we're going to have the combine. We're going to have pro days. We're going to have a lot of things leading up to the draft. And then we're going to have a lot of things leading up to training camp and rookie mini camp and all those fun things. So never a dull moment here. But today, again, we're going to talk about a, a couple things coming up with the college uh, collegiate aspect of it and leading up to the draft. And then we'll talk a little bit Steelers and then end of the year, a lot of stats and stuff with the Steelers. So, James, you want to start yeah. us off with some of these, uh, yes. these two games? Yes, so the two big college football all-star games are your East-West Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl. Uh, Now, I understand that they're starting to allow some juniors with certain levels of eligibility to enter these games. Uh, So that's going to help out as far as the quality of play and quality of players invited to these games. Uh, Typically of the two, the Senior Bowl has the higher-end talent uh, rounds one through three or four kind of guys typically in that game sometimes some lower end guys too but usually your top tier talent goes to the senior bowl east west shrine bowl on the other side usually the best talent from there is third or fourth round uh, and a lot of later round prospects so both have their value um, i totally nerd out to this stuff so i'm all in on these i uh, you get some really, really good insight. Uh, sometimes you even get things like uh, the year Javon Hargrave went to the East West Shrine Bowl, tore it up, got invited to the Senior Bowl, and played well there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when they used to have a week between the two. Now it's the same week, so that sort of thing doesn't happen anymore. Uh, but you get an opportunity to get your eyes on these guys in probably their toughest competition setting. Uh, other than the guys that played at, like, say, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, where they were competing with really, really high-end talent uh, three or four times a year, most of these guys really don't get to see this level of competition. So when you have the question on some of this talent of how will they do at the next level, this is your best measuring stick. If you go to an all-star game and you really ball out, that is a great indicator for what kind of success you may be able to have at the next level. Uh, so definitely something I pay very close attention to. Uh, the NFL Network, if you have that available to you, typically does coverage of the practices. Uh, that's how highly scrutinized and how highly looked after this is. So first one's going to be February 1st. That's the East-West Shrine Bowl on a Thursday evening. Uh, and then the second one, February 3rd, two days later, is the Senior Bowl on a Saturday. I want to say that's early afternoon, I like a one o'clock kickoff or something like that. The so. the Senior Bowl? Yes. No, that's an 8 p.m. Oh, it's an 8 p.m. game. 8 p.m. game. 
Okay, yeah, they're going prime time with it. That's Presented smart. by Reese's, Reese's peanut butter oh, cups. Yeah. You should go have them. They're delicious. I need to they stop always, eating them. <laughs> they always give away the one pound Reese's cup to the MVP. <laughs> you ever have one of those, Cody? I, I did. I Yeah, every year for Christmas growing up, it was those one pound Reese's because I was obsessed with them. I still am, but I just have to prevent myself yeah. from eating them that much because, you know, Body's not forming the same way it used to. <laughs> uh, Nikki got me one of those one time, man. Be like four or five days to get through the whole dude, thing. Dude, they're it's, massive. It's, they're it's massive. Dense. I'm just excited <laughs> to get back in the gym, but we'll we'll get to that yeah. at some point. <laughs> yeah. uh, we did find out where Steelers are officially drafting. Uh, the Steelers mm-hmm. will be drafting at the number twenty overall pick. Uh, so that obviously first round draft pick will be pick twenty overall. And then Pittsburgh, as we've discussed before the show, has a second round pick, a third round pick, two fourth round picks, no fifth round picks, and then one singular sixth and seventh round pick this year. So they have a full seven picks uh, this draft, just two in the fourth, none in the fifth. Um, And there's a I think there's a chance we might see them finagle some of these um, just with how the like the drafts looking and maybe they won't. Maybe they'll just say, hey, this year we're dealing with what we got and we'll make it work. Um, but last year we last year, was it last year or two years ago? Last year, I think we actually the past two years, I think we traded up around the fourth or fifth round, um, to pick someone up. The one year was DeMarvin Leal was what we'd trade. No, Loudermilk, Loudermilk, defensive end traded. Yeah. Traded a future fourth round pick to get into the fifth round pick when we did not have a pick in the fifth round in order to get Isaiah Loudermilk. So yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh's known for doing that. If, one of their big things, they like to go into a draft with at least seven picks. They don't really care what rounds, uh, but they get a little nervous when there's too big of a gap. I don't think they're going to get as nervous this year. Uh, the indication early on here is that the back end of the draft is not as deep as normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those later rounds might not be quite as valuable as they are in previous years where you might be able to find a starter or a high-quality backup in a late round pick. Uh, So man, people aren't going to like hearing me say this, uh, especially if you've been listening to us for at least three years, but I think this is once again, a very good year to draft a punter. Dear Lord. (laughs) (laughs) If the talent's not there at the other position, uh, man, you might as well bring in somebody to compete with Presley Harvin the third, because that experiment is not working out that well. Uh, and why wait until an undrafted pick and, and waste those sixth and seventh round picks on guys that maybe make the roster, maybe don't. Uh, I think this year you're probably going to see in my mock drafts a uh, a punter in the seventh round a couple of times. Yeah, and for those of you that are questioning that um, and maybe don't know as much about the NFL draft uh, and the process afterwards, if we draft them, they come to us. That's just how it goes. Um, obviously you have the, the situations like Eli Manning, where he gets drafted to a team and then says, Hey, I'm not going to play there. (laughs) And then the team will trade him or whatever. That doesn't always happen. However, um, if you wait until the end of the draft and you try to sign someone undrafted, they have the option of where they go. They have the option of what to accept. Um, so if you draft a punter, that kind of gives you the advantage of saying, Hey, this is like, if this is the best punter in the draft or the best guy that we want, um, that guarantees you're not competing against another team to get that guy. So, yeah, and typically there's only a couple punters a year that actually get drafted, uh, but usually plenty of them that are good enough to make a roster. Didn't uh, someone so, last year draft a kicker in the fifth round? Yeah, I think there was a punter that went in like the fourth or fifth round, too. Yeah, crazy. Uh, 
So yeah, not not uncommon when there's a guy with a ridiculous leg for somebody to take a shot at him early on. Um, I think the Browns even did that one year, and that kicker's not even on their team anymore. Jeez, uh, they they took him in like the fourth or fifth round or something. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, it's uh, hey man, if if you got your guy. It's all about drafting people that can make the team and possibly contribute as a starter. Yeah. So if you can get a starting punter in the seventh round and he's a better punter than Presley Harvin the third, or maybe can even push Presley to be better and then Presley is a better version of himself, whatever, I don't care. It's worth it. Because uh, how often do you draft a guy in the seventh round he doesn't even make the roster? Uh, so, I mean, there was a year that uh -oh. Pittsburgh drafted a long snapper and he didn't make the team. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago five or six, we took a, a long snapper late in the draft like six round i think and, and the didn't, make, didn't the make the team yeah that's how it works uh, so yeah um so we'll be looking forward to that whole draft process and figuring out where we're gonna go and the mock drafts will start coming out and we'll we'll do some of those as well um you'll see those done here on the podcast as well so you'll either hear it if you're listening or or see it if you're uh watching on YouTube. With that being said, uh, we're going to talk end of the year stats. We're going to kind of look back at the schedule that the Pittsburgh Steelers had this year and kind of discuss some games and, and just go over that. And again, I mean, James, the big one at the beginning, that, that big blowout against San Francisco 49ers really took the air out of the room. I feel like in some aspect um, for what Pittsburgh was expecting. And then they only put up seven points in that first opener. Any reflection on that game at all from you? The big thing that sticks out to me is that they seemed unprepared and the injuries were just devastating. Uh, let's not forget in that game, we lost Deontay Johnson and he was out for a significant amount of time. Uh, I want to say he was out a good five or six weeks or so. Um, that's when Cameron Hayward re-aggravated his groin. Uh, so just like that, we lost our all-pro defensive tackle. We've learned since then in the – uh, off season that he actually injured that at the beginning of training camp. Yep. Uh, tried to work through it and then aggravated in that first week bad enough that he knew he was going to have to miss some time. Uh, so just like that, you're down two of the best players on your team and one of the only all pros that you had or pro bowl players, I should say on the offensive side. Uh, so I think that was pretty devastating to, to the, the start of the team uh, and just kind of demoralizing. You really went into that game thinking, you're going to play some bully ball and you're going to people and they were unable to get anything going in that, that, uh, that first game offensively at all after how promising the offensive looked in the preseason mm -hmm. versus other teams starting defenses, including the Buffalo bills in week, week two of the preseason, they went right down the field on them twice. Yep. Um, so it was very, very demoralizing big time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they put up 20 over 20 points, technically over 24 in all three of those first preseason games, 27 to 17 against Tampa, 27, 15 against the Buffalo Bills and then 24, nothing against Atlanta. So I almost feel like they went into um, into that first game with like a false sense of hope and a false sense of security and in, in who they were. But then we've you know, come to find out this team really didn't have an identity moving forward. Um, they didn't know if they were going to be a run heavy team or a pass heavy team. I mean, you know, obviously they tried to run it more. Um, but nothing was working early on. We obviously had those back-to-back -back wins against the Cleveland Browns, 26 to 22, and the Las Vegas Raiders uh, in week three, 23 to 18. Both games were fairly decent, but again, that Cleveland Browns game, the touchdowns we had in that game came from the defensive side of the ball. Both of them. Two of them. Yeah. Or two out of the three, two sorry. 
Yeah, one from uh, TJ Watt, one from Alex Highsmith on a pick six. Yep. Uh, and I want to say the the Watt one, wasn't that Alex Highsmith strip sack and then TJ Watt scoop and score? Yep. Uh, yeah, so uh, what, what we learned is that Pittsburgh could win some close games still. That's been the MO of a Mike Tomlin team is that they win close games. I want to say they were like eight and two this year in, in games decided by like you know, a certain amount of, of uh, difference. So they had a really good record in close games again this year, but the problem comes in these other games. Uh, so after winning those two close games and the defense really heavily contributing to those wins, uh, you go to the Houston Texans and you think, okay, here we go. Rookie quarterback. The kid's looking good so far. Uh, but these rookies usually struggle against our defense. Uh, not the case, unfortunately. We got absolutely lit up by C.J. Stroud. Uh, that just kind of was a precursor to how good that kid actually is. Yeah. Uh, looking back at that game now, knowing what our secondary was at the time, I think Minka was missing time already at this point in the season. Uh, and at that point, Joey Porter Jr. wasn't getting starting snaps yet. Uh, Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson were just getting absolutely torched game after game, play after play uh, in Pittsburgh. Didn't have an answer for it. Uh, so as time went on, Joey Porter Jr. starts to get more playing time and you see these high scoring opponent scores start to drop. Uh, no coincidence in that at all. Uh, but that game a little bit disturbing when you, you look back on it. Uh, and now you feel like if you were to play him again, it would go differently because Joey Porter Jr. would be able to lock down one of those wide receivers. Yeah. Yeah. And then you see us get back-to-back -back wins again. Um, if you don't include the bye week here, but we played Baltimore in week five and won that close game 17 to 10. Uh, had the bye week week six, and then the Rams came, uh, or we went to the Rams and won 24-17. Again, a, a game that hysterically, when we when we visit the West Coast and those West um, – divisional games i feel like the that the steelers fans just unite there uh we're always feeling like we're at home when we play the rams when we play the chargers um all those types of teams so that those were two good games but again when you look back to that that rams game specifically um a lot of that had to do with miss steelers taking advantage of missed field goals and two interceptions um, or and an interception Cooper cup was out injured too he didn't play in that game and so. puka nakua still went off if i'm not mistaken yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it was a win, but it was tough. Like it was, it yeah. was just taking advantage of their mishaps, um, which is what you have to do in the NFL. Don't get me wrong, but I that was one of those games that we didn't feel like we won. We like escaped with with a victory there. Um, yeah. So you're four and two after the first six weeks, and you're not feeling horrible about it, right? I mean, if you looked at those games before the season started. Uh, you're probably figuring that three and three is a good record out. Uh, figuring that the the Ravens would have been a tough win, the Niners, and then probably the Rams would have been one. Um, and instead, somehow they're four and two. Mm -hmm. So defense holding tough enough in winning those close games. Uh, Kenny Pickett playing just good enough to get a few wins here and there as well. Uh, so uh, then we go into the. Uh, Jaguars game at Acrisure Stadium and put up a stinker and lose 10 to 20. Yep. Uh, just, yeah, tough one there where you think the Jaguars, we at least knew this was a team. Uh, Trevor Lawrence coming off of his first postseason appearance the year previous. Uh, so 
you knew that they had a decent passing team. Uh, and I think at that stage, that was still giving us some issues. Yeah. And at this point, this was the game that Fitzpatrick went out with uh, nine minutes and 11 seconds remaining in the first quarter. And then you also saw Kenny Pickett go out of this game with an injury as well. Um, so unfortunately, that was how that game kind of went. Uh, and, and you got to remember at this point th through the first eight weeks um, and even for the next three weeks, we're still on. Is it still three? Yeah, it's three weeks. Uh, we're still under that Matt Canada offensive coordinator style where we're doing check downs and plays that aren't going anywhere, not taking full advantage of of this, the whole style of putting players in motion, but then snapping the ball when they're in no place to even be considered um, like a fake like a fake jet sweep or anything like that. We were doing very questionable play calling at this point. Me and James were very livid. <laughs> Me probably more yes, than him we at this point. Uh, but then you go look at the next few games. You have Tennessee, Green Bay, Cleveland, back to back to back. Uh, the last three games under that uh, Matt Canada offense. And we beat Tennessee at home 20 to 16. And then we beat Green Bay at home 23 to 19. Again, two close games. Semi-decent teams. Tennessee wound up not being as good of a team as everyone thought throughout the year. Green Bay made it to the playoffs. They were a playoff team. Um, they, obviously, they're already out so far in that you know out now. But then we play Cleveland at Cleveland and lose a close one, thirteen to ten. Um, which again, we talked about at the beginning. Pittsburgh could win close games. Well, now we're losing close games again. Um, and Pittsburgh unfortunately fell to to Cleveland under the rookie. Uh, Dorian Thomas Robinson starting for Cleveland as well. Yeah. Uh, miserable passing performance in that game. Looks like Pittsburgh had 77 passing yards. Yep. Um, it's not allowing me to pull up any individual player stats from any of these games. I can probably I don't get know them. If you have that on that. Mm, I can probably find out. Um, so what you're looking at doesn't have it either then is what no, you're saying. No, no, no. Okay. Let me see if I can pull it from somewhere else in the meanwhile. Sorry, I didn't realize that we were going to go like this. No, that's fine. For that. That's fine. I just kind of <laughs> want to go through the season again and kind of relive it. And, um, you know, are you looking for Kenny Pickett stats specifically? Yeah, yeah. If it was it even Kenny in that game. Uh, it was Kenny. So in this game, it was Kenny. Um, yeah. oh, 15 to 28 for 106 yards. That's not great. Yeah. When the Steelers, and then it also under two minutes remaining, uh, Pickett threw three consecutive incomplete passes to give the ball back to Cleveland, um, which was very, very, very unfortunate. <clears throat> um, the Browns, I mean, the first half, the Browns also oh, yeah. used a 16 play drive, um, to make the, to take up the last five and a half minutes and put the score at 10, nothing. So the steel or the Steelers defense just couldn't stop the Browns when they wanted to have those almost methodical drives that you talk about. Um, but it doesn't look like Kenny Pickett had very good stats this game. I can pull it up too. Um, no, he didn't turn the ball over. He just didn't throw for a lot of yards. Uh, so it looks like Pittsburgh had 172 rushing yards versus the Browns only having 96 in this game. Yeah, uh, but this was the game where the uh, penalties were exceedingly one-sided. Mm -hmm. uh, only one penalty against the Browns and six versus Pittsburgh. Yeah, and uh, again, if I recall correctly, darn near every single one of those gave him 
first down. So yeah. And again, those that was very frustrating. That was this was also the last game under uh, Matt Canada's offense. And then the next game we transitioned out of that. And that first game back, we had our first 400 yard game against the Bengals uh, in Cincinnati and won 16 to 10. Kenny Pickett had a fairly decent game um, through for, I want to say, 300 yards or 200 yard, 250. No, no, he didn't hit 300 this season, but then it was 250. I can give you how many he had. Uh, he had 278 yards passing. Yeah, so, so a very um, close. 22 yeah, yards away. 33. We'll take that. We'll take that. Yeah, so that was – this is the point in the season where you started to feel like there's some hope, right? It's been up and down. Uh, the offense of Pittsburgh has just been struggling all season. They still at this point had not hit a 400-yard game in like – 50-some games. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was over three seasons. So this Bengals game was a big deal. 16 points doesn't seem like a lot, uh, but over 400 yards of offense in that game for the first time in like three years. Uh, so you're real happy about it. Uh, but this is where Kenny Pickett goes down to injury too. So yeah, um, he, he got concussed, I believe, in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, on that, the next two. It, uh, was it on a touchdown run? Or was it? A, I don't remember. I know he was yeah, running towards know. the end zone w- inside, like the two yard line, and it was when he got tackled. Or was that the ankle injury? No, the ankle was at the end of the year. Okay, then I am wrong. Uh, but then obviously we have those next three games where we played Arizona, New England, and the Colts. No, this was the ankle. You're right. Okay, I thought. Yeah, this was the ankle injury. Um. But then we saw this Arizona Patriots Colts games all happen where Pittsburgh uh, just couldn't do enough. And Arizona at this point had two wins on the season. We gave them their third in a 24 to 10 loss at home. And then the next week, Patriots also had two wins on the season at this point. We gave them a victory at home, like in Pittsburgh, 21 to 18. So we fell to two win teams back to back weeks. Uh, and this is where you felt like the trajectory of the season was kind of like drastically changing. Um, Because then you also fall to the Colts in Indianapolis, 30 to 13 the following week. This was when we were getting very poor play out of Mitch Mitch Trubisky. Wasn't looking good. Um, Then Cincinnati, we play Cincinnati week week 16, and they go ahead and throw Mason Rudolph in there. And um, 34 to 11 victory at home gets everyone all excited about Mason this, Mason that. Well, again, and we're not, I'm not against Mason Rudolph. I think Mason proved that he's not the worst quarterback on the team and Mitch proved he was. Um, But this was finally when we get an offensive game plan going, we get a competent quarterback in there um, and we just spanked the Bengals at, you know, in Pittsburgh, which was fantastic. And then we end the year with this week, 17 week, 18 facing the birds, two victories back to back uh, against Seattle, 30 to 23 in Seattle. And then at Baltimore, 17 to 10. Sure. We played their backups, but it's not like they wanted to lose. It's not like they were. Yeah. And to be real, no team in the NFL can just sit all their starters. It doesn't work that way. Yep. They can only sit a few guys. So did we play against some backups? Yes. Was it mostly starters? Yes. Uh, so it was the backup quarterback. Yes. Uh, but only a few other backups actually started in that game. It was mostly starters. Uh, on that three-game losing streak, the Cardinals game was the game that Kenny got hurt in because it's in this other app here. 
Uh, so Kenny played like the first half in that game. Mitch came in. They ended up losing the game. And then Mitch started the next two games against the Patriots and against the Colts, uh, which were both losses and ugly ones at that. So, yep. yeah, as you mentioned, uh, inserting Mason Rudolph kind of gave life back to the season. Uh, and this is – I'm not saying anything that Cody isn't saying here. I'm not saying that I think Mason is the guy. you got to start him next season. He's absolutely going to be a franchise quarterback now. Uh, but he gave us the best quarterback play that we've seen in three years. And that's not really a debatable thing, unfortunately. Uh, so it's it's good because, you know, we finished strong. We were able to get into the playoffs. Unfortunately, not play well enough against the Bills to get a victory. Uh, but you saw multiple games uh, where Mason went out there and just balled out, man. 274 yards in one game, 290 in another. Uh, multiple two-touchdown passing games. Yep. The kid lit it up for us, man, and uh, perseverance really paid off for Mason Rudolph. Staying humble and staying, staying hardworking, you know, practicing in the background and and working out real hard. The kid stays in really good shape. Probably helped him not playing the last couple of years because he didn't get beat up at all. Yep. <laughs> um, and he kind of end the season after this with. One question answered at quarterback and two big ones remaining. Yep. Mitch so isn't the answer. <laughs> yeah. One question that was answered was, is Mitch Trubisky anything worth rostering in the future? And the answer is definitely not. So um, look for Pittsburgh to cut him and save that $3 million in cap space or, or whatever it is. It's not a, a significant amount of money because of the way they restructured and extended his contract. Um but Mason Rudolph is scheduled to be an unrestricted free agent. Uh, the only plus side here is that his performance versus the Bills wasn't enough, I don't think, for anyone to go out there and give him $20, 30000000 million a year. Nope. I think that he's going to be in that same boat that Mitch was in a couple years ago uh, where he can probably get paid 7 to $10 million a year, compete to possibly be a starter, but – most likely just be a high quality backup. And if it's me, I'm absolutely offering him that money back and compete with Kenny Pickett for the starting job. Yeah. Um, and who knows? That's the other. There's a chance he wants. No, who knows? There's a chance he wants to come back and compete. There's a chance he had such yeah. a weird experience in Pittsburgh originally when, when he was drafted and Ben didn't like the fact that they, they used that pick on a quarterback when he felt that they had a team that could win now. Uh, and wanted to use that pick on something that would help them get to the Super Bowl. Um, and so maybe Mason wants to come back and like prove he's the guy who prove he can be the, you know, the accessor to after Big Ben. Um, and, and we'll talk numbers here in a second that I think are interesting with, with the year in review and stuff. But maybe Mason wants to come back and maybe no one's going to offer him enough, like you said, with that Bills game uh, to really say, do I want to uproot my life? and go here for an extra, you know, yeah. when you talk millions, it's like, yeah, but it, maybe someone's only offering them up $500,000 more or a million dollars more. Um, mm -hmm. But we'll see what happens. Yeah. Free agency is going to be really interesting. So uh, one of the things we'll probably do on next week's show, since we didn't really prepare to talk about it on this week's show is uh, go over Pittsburgh's free agent list. Yep. Um, it's nowhere near as intimidating as it was in previous years. Uh, there's nowhere near as big name 
marquee players that were like, oh, crap, you got to be able to retain that dude. Uh, in fact, I would argue that there's almost nobody on the list like that. Uh, there's a couple key guys you're going to want to bring back, like Sam Miles Killebrew. Uh, <laughs> the way he's been blocking punts, you got to bring yep. him back. Eric uh, Rowe. He's, yeah, he's literally one of the most significant guys. Oh, so easily. That's saying something. That's saying something when your special teams captain is is like the most significant dude because you're not going to be spending a lot of money on any guys. Uh, and I think they are sitting at something like 17 million over the cap at the beginning of, of the season. Think, so yeah, I think very, it's like 15 nine or something, 16 nine, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's not really bad at all, especially when you figure you're going to see uh, Chikoma Korafor get cut and save 10 million. Mitch Trubisky uh, get cut. Probably, yeah. Mitch will save like three or four mil. And then uh, the other one will be Allen, and that'll save another ten million. So just like that, you're back under the. Uh, so expect those moves to come probably pretty pretty early on in the process. Uh, but let's talk about this uh, this team as far as the positions and the players. Uh, Kenny Pickett didn't give us the season we were hoping for, right? Uh, a step in the right direction. You know the turnovers were way down, only options on the season, but only six touchdowns. Uh, so we really wanted to see a lot more in the touchdown production. I feel like he really was handcuffed through most of the season yep. by Matt Canada's offense and by the coaching staff from my, most specifically Matt Canada saying, don't take deep shots and don't take chances. Just take the safe stuff, dump it off, live to fight another down. But what that does is gives you a lot of three and outs and not a lot of yards and not a lot of touchdown. Uh, so I'm excited to see, and I wish we could have seen more of him at the end of the season. Had it not been for the ankle injury, we would have seen him more at the end of the season. Or, or the success uh, but, that Mason was having. If Mason wouldn't have yeah. been having success, we would have seen him. So, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, imagine what we saw out of Mason three weeks being what we got out of Kenny the last three weeks instead. Yep. Imagine that. You know, put Mason's numbers, which are pretty nice, on top of Kenny's, and you're looking a little more. Because then you're talking nine touchdowns to four interceptions. That doesn't sound bad. Nope, not at all. You still want more, but that's that's a lot better ratio. So um, 62% completion rate for Kenny on this, just over 2,000 yards. Uh, sacked 23 times. That's not awful. Some guys were getting sacked 50, 60 times this year. So True. Um, not great, not awful either. Mason Rudolph, the number two quarterback uh, from this season as far as the yardage production, uh, had 719 yards in those three games that he played in, uh, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, and a 74.3% completion percentage, yeah. uh, which is really, really good. So uh, Mason was very accurate, put up a ton of yards in the first two games, not as many in the third, but that wasn't a monsoon. So yeah, uh, throwing um, the ball wasn't a real big thing in that game. <laughs> yeah, and then you see Mitch that he threw for 632 yards, that 62.6 um, completion percentage. The big thing here, uh, four touchdowns to five interceptions. You have the turnover problem there. Um, but Mitch was doing that with a better offensive play calling system than Kenny had, and Kenny was at 62% completion percentage with still somewhat of an interception problem. You don't like a three to two ratio. Isn't that good? Obviously it's better than being negative like Mitch was, but again, Mason Rudolph, that 74.3 completion percentage with three touchdowns to zero interceptions, three to zero. Um, 
I, you, you have to imagine there's some kind of medium or happy in between where, where Kenny at least would have been operating in uh, with a better completion percentage, better touchdown interception ratio with the better play calling system. So I'm excited for next year. Um, even if Mason doesn't return, I think we'll see a better version of Kenny because of the play calling and everything, depending on who they bring in, because they're going to bring in someone from outside to offensive play calling. Um, but as a total Pittsburgh threw for 3,400 yards, uh, 13 touchdowns, nine interceptions, not a good year. 13 passing touchdowns is like nothing in the NFL these days, which I don't think people realize mm-hmm. that much. We did not succeed in the passing game at all this year. No. No, um, which really sucks and it really, work really hurts. Done. Yeah, a lot of work. A lot of work to be done. Uh, but one thing I think that we should take away as a positive from this season, uh, and I'm going to skip the running backs and go to the receivers real quick. Yep. Uh, and then we can come back to the running backs. Um, the wide receivers at the end of the season really stepped up. We had some issues throughout the season with lack of effort blocking and lack of effort uh, trying and being good teammates. Um, And it came from not just George Pickens, but from Deontay Johnson previous to George Pickens, uh, where he had a fumble happen right at his feet and just ignored it and walked away. And the other team scooped it up and ran it in for a touchdown. Just uh, some some very, very poor effort at times. Both men corrected the issue uh, and both started getting some touchdowns on a semi-regular basis at the end of the season. In fact, George Pickens put up a monster game with 195 yards in what was it, two touchdowns in two that game, two on only four mm-hmm. catches. Uh, so we got some really nice improvement at the end of the year. I also saw a stat recently. I think it was uh, Daniel Valente, that's stat guy Daniel on Twitter. Um, Deontay Johnson and George Pickens were in like the top 10 in the entire NFL in lowest drop catch percent this year. Uh, so uh, the narrative that we're used to, Deontay Johnson dropping the frequently and in clutch situations wasn't a thing this year he had one of the best set of hands in the in the entire nfl this year uh so that's a a big improvement it's really nice to see uh george pickens was your number one wide receiver statistically this year uh he had his eyes up all the time never down in his lap uh 63 catches for 1140 yards with five touchdowns on the season uh he did have three fumbles so got to correct that but he averaged 18 yards per reception uh, which is pretty incredible great Um, great for him yeah Deontay Johnson ended up number two uh, with 51 catches 717 yards 14.1 yards per catch which I feel like that's up from previous years for him five touchdown catches for him as well also only one fumble Uh, so Five touchdown catches out of each of the receivers. This is an improvement from previous year. Uh, we weren't getting that number. And I think, honestly, there's plenty of reason to believe that that will. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to see the improvement we have there. Uh, we, we, we didn't get to see a whole lot of Pat Farmer this year, which was very unfortunate. Um, or Darnell Washington, if we look at these tight end groups. Um, I really feel like that's a, that's something that is going to be a focus point for next year because I think we drafted these guys. We know their weapons. We have to understand that. So I'm really thinking that whoever they bring in, um, they're going to be emphasizing, you know, getting that tight end room involved, opening up that middle of the field to extend, uh, the, you know, have to force the defense to play back a little bit and be able to open up different running angles and holes for the running game. Um, 
but not a lot there. When you look at the top two receivers having 1,100 and 700 yards, respectfully, and then it drops down to a running back at 370 yards, that's not where you want to be in the NFL. You'd like that number three to either be another wide receiver or a tight end, and you'd like that person mm-hmm. to have a handful of touchdowns. And Jalen Warren, being that guy, only had, or excuse me, had zero touchdowns. Pat Frymuth had two on the year, and then you had Calvin Austin with one. That That's where your 13 touchdowns came from. Um, not a not a very productive year at all in that passing game. But again, you look at those stats of those two receivers like you talked about, and you have something to get excited about for next year. You've mm-hmm. seen the improvement uh, and and some excitement for explosive plays and and different playmaking abilities that we'll be able to do next year. And you did get a chance to see a little bit once Pat Frymuth finally came back from the injury because he was out for a good seven or eight weeks this season. Um, when he finally came back, he absolutely exploded in that one game what was it like nine catches for 120 yeah. yards yeah or something. stupid an incredible game for him um and on the season 32 catches 308 yards if you multiply that out that's about what he did the first two years right he was just over 60 catches each of the first two seasons so he would have done that again at the rate that he played in the games that he was actually healthy for yep uh so I think they should be able to ramp that up in future years and get that number in the 70 to 80 catches uh, without much of an issue. And I think you're going to see it because of the fact that George Pickens and Deontay Johnson are stretching the field more now. Uh, I think teams are going to have no choice but to keep safeties back, and they're going to have to choose week by week. Who do we want to get beat by? Do we double-team Pat Fryermuth and give up the deep plays to George and Deontay, or do we double the wide receivers and leave Pat one linebackers. Uh, so I think we're, we're going to see a lot more explosiveness from the passing game next season, because we saw individually from each of them at different times in the season. Uh, and I think there's a lot to be optimistic about on that. I'm also excited to see what Calvin Austin is used uh, in future years in that bills game. He, he uh, was able to get a, a touchdown uh, receiving touchdown in that game as well. Yep. Uh, so I feel like they started to mess with it a little bit. And uh, there's a lot of potential there if you can get a creative mind, uh, if you can figure out ways to get them open. Uh, even some of these plays that you see some other teams do where a guy comes in motion and then the ball is snapped when he's like behind the line and he stops in his footprints right there and immediately jets back to where he came from that's a very very difficult thing for a defensive unit to defend yep uh so you throw that kind of thing out there a few times a game and he'll probably get some big yardage off of that kind of play so i feel like that most likely will be incorporated next year because they didn't really have a guy that can do that kind of thing but they do have that now so you might as well insert that into the yeah uh, backing up a little bit, looking at these running backs, uh, Najee Harris had another thousand yard running, uh, season with a thousand, 1,035 yards, uh, eight touchdowns on the year, which was great from him. Jalen Warren, 784 yards rushing, had a 5.3 average and four touchdowns. Jalen Warren just killed it, uh, this year. Mm-hmm. He performed very, very well. And then you had Calvin Austin being the only guy I'll talk about here, uh, in, in my, for me, at least 57 yards and a touchdown on just 11 carries. So some good production out of him with those short little, you know, end arounds and sweeps and stuff like that. Yeah. So uh good production from the running back group. Uh, we actually had a conversation a lot this year on should Jalen Warren overcome Najee Harris back number. 
uh, we saw some improvement from Najee, specifically in the big plays uh, with eight 20 plus yard runs on the season. This was a banner year for Najee in breaking. Uh, he didn't have any of them go 40 plus yards, but he almost never gets those 20 plus yard runs. And his average this year was 4.1 yards per carry, which is the best of his career so far. Um, I think my opinion for Najee has changed quite a bit. I think Pittsburgh will absolutely pick up the fifth-year option for Najee now. Yep. I understand that that's going to be right around $6.5 million for him, uh, which is not that bad for one year for a guy that has a, a Pro Bowl under his belt, seems to be improving every year. And honestly, he's a leader. <clears throat> he's a team leader. You know, at the end of the year that they didn't win in the playoffs, he's mad about things not being strict enough in the locker room or or in the weight room, or these kind of things. Uh, he doesn't like that. He even chooses not to talk to the media after some games because he takes it so personal when they lose. You want that. You want that. He's a, he's a solid team leader and seems like a good human being. So I think um, Najee gets that fifth year, and then you think he might even get like a two- or three-year contract extension uh, when the, then the, the correct time comes. Uh, so – Looking forward in in the running back room, I think you've got some nice weaponry there in a one-two punch. Uh, that next year, I wouldn't be surprised if you get two thousand yards total between the two of them. Yeah, and I'm doing some quick math here just because I'm curious. Um, yeah. So the first, what was it? Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The first ten games uh, we played under the Matt Canada offense, he averaged forty-nine point nine yards per game. That was it. When you look at those following games, um, I'm just curious to see the numbers here. Uh, and then one. I'm going to guess it's like 75 to 80. And <laughs> there, there's a chance. There is a very good chance. Hang on one second. Um, so, seven. Uh, went up to 76. Average rushing yards. So right where I was guessing. That. Yep. <laughs> and if you average seventy six times seventeen games, you're gonna get a lot. So yeah, that's uh, that's interesting to see how much that team increased. You know. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's yeah. not like Jalen Warren thirteen hundred yard season twelve ninety two. It would have been a thirteen hundred yard rushing season for him with the same kind of production he got post-Matt Canada as he did uh, during Matt Canada. Yeah, I mean, and he also had, so let's look at this real quick. One, two, three. Three touchdowns with Matt Canada. Um, one, two, five three, without. four, five without. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing. I genuinely believe that was a Matt Canada issue. I genuinely believe that. Like, I don't mean yeah. to put all the blame on one guy, but we saw the difference very, very immediately after he was gone. Um, yeah, the improvement. And the run game started to improve after the bye week, uh, which was this was the second season in a row that we saw that. Uh, but it got way better after Matt Canada, no doubt about that. Um, let's talk defense on next episode, Cody, because uh, I don't want to get this to a situation where it's over an hour. And we're yeah, we want we want you guys to digest the material so, still. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk defense yeah, so and then we'll talk free agents on the next episode. So next Sunday, mm -hmm. um, defensive stats. Uh, along with looking at the the under you know the restricted free agents, um, 
unrestricted free agents and all that stuff and targets that maybe we want to target in free agency. Um, people we'd like to see Pittsburgh bring in. We can talk about all that on next week's episode. So again, yeah. expect this yeah. episode uh, to be next Sunday. Again, we're going back to, if you didn't hear the last episode, we are going back to one episode a week as we're no longer doing uh, pre and post game shows. So Sundays will be the recording days and hopefully posting days for you guys, uh, barring no internet issues and stuff like that, issues with posting and stuff. So uh, we can't thank you guys enough for following, being a part of the family Steelers by the Lake family. Again, we expect to be much more um, active this upcoming year and season with uh, social media and stuff like that and getting involved with even live chats and, and live shows with you guys. So Again, thank you so much. Be sure to like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Oh, my Lanta, don't forget to subscribe and ring the bell. It's freaking free. And until next time, this is your host, James and Cody, signing off. Peace.